0: Stacey V here and you're listening to a series of romantic events where I give you my feedback and rundown of a different romance series every two weeks. For our first episode, put your color quilt out on the clothesline and take a trip on the Underground Railroad with me as we review the best series by Beverly Jenkins. Hello everyone and welcome to the podcast. I feel like I should give a brief background as to what we're doing here. Basically, I'm famous for picking up a book and not realizing it's in the middle of a series. It may be book four, book nine, I say I'm going to read the rest and I end up buying additional books instead. As a result, my bookcase is a little full. So in order to not aggravate my significant other anymore, we've agreed upon a few rules. One, if I own a book in a series, then I'm allowed to buy another book in that series, no questions asked. But if I want to buy a book from a new series or a standalone novel, I have to get rid of three books in order to do it. The only exception is in a BOGO situation in which if I'm purchasing the first book, like I have to pay for it, then that one needs to match the criteria, but the free book I get with it doesn't need to. So while I'm busy trying to read through a series to determine if it gives me the three novels I need to toss out, I figured I'd let you know my thoughts on the series as a whole. So even though I refer to it as the best series by Beverly Jenkins, the series doesn't really have a name, and it's not really connected on Goodreads. This is the second time I've had to do this with a Beverly Jenkins series, and I don't know if it's her, I don't know if it's Goodreads, but you can't really see one novel when you click on the other, right? And, and that's just, I don't know, it just it, it's slightly aggravating. Because if you didn't know there was a second book, you would you may never know there was a second book. And that piece I don't really like. But the series itself is really solid. Like, I, I like the overall plot. So between the series, like, sometimes there's, you know, one overarching plot and one book leaves, leads naturally into the other. This doesn't match that situation, because uh, from what I understand, she wrote the first book and then several years later decided to write Josephine. So the first book, Bell's plot, is mostly around Daniel, who is the older brother, and he's just gotten back from Oberlin, which is a college, and he's about to be the apprentice. Well, he is the apprentice to his father who makes cabinets, basically just a carpenter. And he's engaged to be engaged to this girl. Her name is Franny. When he comes along Bell with his little sister, so he and his sister are riding, taking a paper route, and he comes across Bell, and she's hiding. So he finds her. He thinks she's a boy. They agree to take her back to the house because we find out later his parents are abolitionists, and they have a station on the Underground Railroad. Bell is a runaway slave. She came from Kentucky. She ran away with her father. They get split up. She ends up in Michigan. Her feet are awful. Her hair is matted to her head and she's hungry. She's super tired. She hears that cart coming. She moves over to hide. But honestly, where is she going to go? Nowhere. She can barely move. Uh, anyway, so they scoop her up, hide her in the cart, take her home uh, where we meet Mrs. Best, who is the mother of Josephine and Daniel. And we find out that she's a, well, she was a runaway slave. I mean, I guess you're always a runaway slave. Anyway, she ran away from Virginia. And she met Mr. Best, William Best. He was a free person in Canada, and they both ended up in Michigan. So that's that's the plot of the first book, right? We have this runaway slave. She meets Daniel. Daniel's already engaged, but he grows to kind of like her, to love her. And we find out later, one of my favorite characters in that book, um, Franny, is a very fast girl. She's She's very, very fast. And, uh, and even to the point where Daniel kind of makes reference to it, right? He says, yeah, like the things that she's allowed me to do, her parents would be very upset with me for. And we also find out that her mother is dead. And on Franny's mother's deathbed, she had Daniel agree that she, that he was always take care of her. So now he's kind of stuck in that role, uh, regardless of whether or not he's actually interested in Franny. So that's kind of the plot of the first book, whereas the second book's plot centers on Josephine. And it happens about five years later, and we're in the middle of the Civil War. And so Josephine now, uh, when she was 12 in that first book, she was doing hair and, you know, had had her curling irons and her hot combs and was doing people's hair. And so now she has her own business at age 17. And her dad built the place for her as a carpenter. So they built the place for her and she's doing heads. And it was her first day of work. And she's super excited And her best friend from the first book, who's also around the same age, I think 17, 18, somewhere in there, she's engaged. And because she's engaged and they're best friends and now people are looking at Josephine, especially when they come get their hair done, right? Because that's an hour and a half of you sitting in a chair talking to her. They're asking her, okay, so when are you going to get married, right? Isn't it your turn? Like, what are you going to do as a young lady? And Josephine really just wants to focus on her business. She's not really looking for a boyfriend or anything similar to that. So we have a new character actually get introduced in that second book, Mrs. Oswald, and her son has come back from war and she decided she was going to take in soldiers. Now, these soldiers are either going back home because they've been discharged permanently or they're healing enough so they can go back to the war and fight. Because of this, the best girls, because all the best men have gone off to war, the best girls decide they're going to go, well, women decide they're all going to go over to this house and visit some of the soldiers, bring up morale. They go over. Trudy, her best friend, meets a guy she really likes. His name is Dred Reed. She really likes him. She thinks he's, you know, so cute and wow. He's a soldier. And, you know, I love my soon-to-be husband, but he's a mama's boy. And he doesn't elicit that sort of passion for me. And, of course, Josephine is looking at her like, what's going on, right? One, because none of the best men are there. So she's not able to kind of see that consistent relationship. The only kind of relationship she sees is between Trudy and this guy because he didn't go to war, because his mother told him not to because he's a mama's boy. That's the whole plot. Uh, and so yeah, so Trudy is taken by this guy, Dread, And then another guy approaches Josephine. His name is George Brooks. And she's never really been told she was beautiful before. He says, well, everyone around here must be blind. They have several interactions and she kind of feels the butterflies in her stomach and she wasn't looking for a bow. But if it happens, I mean, okay. Um, But in these interactions, it's kind of lightly revealed that he's looking for someone that he can take the lead for, right? Like that she won't. That she'll be at home to take care of the kids and take care of him. And that's what he expects, right? That, that she should defer to him and, you know, just be kind of timid. And so finally here, I think maybe the second interaction or so, she goes out to the car to get scissors for her mother. And Adam Morgan, who is best friends with Daniel from the first book, shows up. At the end of the first book, he and his brother and his mother all moved to Canada. And now that he's come home from war because he has a shattered ankle, he ends up in Michigan instead of in Canada because it was close. Okay. So he shows up, he thinks she's beautiful, he doesn't recognize her, and I'm thinking, uh, BS, right? Because if that's your best friend's little sister and you guys hung out all the time and she even they even kind of recount stories of them messing with her and then bullying her and calling her a pest, and it's 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 a part of the entire underlying plot. So to me, like maybe you didn't know it was her because she was thirteen and now she's beautiful and now she's older, but there should have been some sort of familiarity there. And there wasn't, which I didn't super like. Uh but he, he ends up being into her and she's super into him and the butterfly she felt for George kind of pale in comparison. But she also has known Adam for quite a while. And Adam is a bit of a ladies man. Like he in the first book he was super flirty with Belle, he was super flirty with everyone he and his brother just kind of go after everybody. And so she's saying, well, I mean, you know, it's Adam, right? Like, and now that I'm older, of course, I'm attracted to him. Everyone is attracted to him. It's Adam. And same thing goes for Adam, where he's saying, yes, I think she's beautiful. Yes, yeah, she's great. But she's my brother's little sister. Ed, well, she's my brother. She's my best friend's little sister. And because of that, like, I know that she's right, right? Like he, he also knows himself that he's 21, and he's not done picking flowers. And he basically tells her this. And she says, Okay, like, you know, that's nice, right? Fine, fair enough. Uh, and so she continues to go after George. And so the plot end up, it, it just kind of unfolds in that way. And of course, since the, since the men aren't there, then Adam moves into the best house, because Mrs. Best thinks of him as a son and she wants him to have a good place to stay. And so he's kind of hanging around while Joe is pursuing, well, being pursued by George. And she's running her shop and Trudy is still kind of pushing her way towards this soldier when she's definitely engaged to be married. And it all kind of comes to a head, um, when Trudy invites the soldier over when she knows that her mother's not going to be home. He shows up, turns out he's not actually interested in her. He wants to rob her and he robs her, ties her up, takes everything, leaves her down there. And I mean, it could have been worse, right? Like everyone's conversation is that, yeah, like he could have raped her or anything could have happened. But that's kind of like, you know, where everything kind of comes to the head in that book. But the overall similarities that I want to say would be the love triangle, but to me, like, I don't know, like, I'm, I'm a fan of a love triangle, but only when I feel like they're real love triangles. As I said, in that first book with Danny and Franny, uh, their relationship was kind of, it was doomed from the start. Because when, when, when they introduce you to her, like, we know she's fast and we know she kind of uh mm, does some things that Dan thinks that, yeah. Any other parents would be not okay with this and I definitely shouldn't tell their parents about it. But also because his parents were abolitionists and they have their own spot on Underground Railroad, this is what he wants to do with his life, right? Like he likes speaking against slavery he likes to be prepared and and he really likes, you know, talking about the war. And when it comes, I'm going to fight. He's just very, he's very into it. And even though Franny's, both of her parents were born slaves, she's just not interested, right? Like she doesn't, she doesn't get it, right? We're all free now. And yeah, there are some slaves, but why do we have to care, right? And because of that, whenever they go to rallies or conventions, she may go, she typically doesn't want to go and she's just not really interested. And, And we get a big piece of this when Belle kind of moves into the house and she sees her and she's like, yeah this is not going to happen in my house I'm not going to allow it (laughs) but even more than that we then discover that when Joe is going to school the new teacher Mr. Hood is all he's also fairly young and one day at church we see Franny kind of show up we see Franny show up with him and she has him like in tow her arm is all over him and she's introducing him around and introduces him to Daniel, not not as her beau or anything or, or as her future husband, but just as Daniel. This is their son, Daniel. And of course, and, and then pretends that she doesn't know who Belle is. So Belle speaks up and says, hey, like, have you known Daniel's intended long? And Mr. Hood is super shocked. He doesn't know anything about their relationship. It's ridiculous. And so now Franny is trying to cover her own tracks and say, oh, like, of course you knew. Of course you knew. Aha. Uh-huh. So Franny, all throughout the book, it's, it's mostly like she's kind of setting herself up because she makes these comments, right? Belle is feeling good. She's playing checkers. And it turns out she's really great at checkers. And she's at a party at Franny's house. And Franny, of course, doesn't like all the attention being on her. And she says something to the tune of, wow, you play checkers? I thought all slaves did was pick cotton. Crazy wild and of course because Dan's her man he's not kind of he's he's trying his hardest to stand up for Belle but also trying to be there for Franny because if he shows preference to one over the other it could be messy she gets upset by this she storms out and then at a different completely different event Uh Franny snags for him or something. And so she's asking her for like thread. But of course, Belle's busy. And she's like, I really don't have the time right now. You know, I'm busy doing this. I'm busy doing that. Your skirt looks fine, right? She's like, no, you will get it for me. Who do you think you are? You little ignorant runaway. You probably can't even spell strawberry. You know, just just nasty. And Joe is around. And of course, Joe knows that she and Mr. Hood have been kind of, you know, making time with each other. And so she says that, you know, she says as much in this conversation, Dan's not around to hear it no one else is around to hear it because Belle has kind of run off but she says it and there are some people who are around just no one of significance so it gets back to Daniel he asked Belle about it right like do you think this has happened and Belle's like yeah I mean I don't think Joe would lie about this so he goes over there and like he tries and tries to go over there but she's never home but the, the one time she actually is home he goes over there and she says, oh, well, you know, your sister never liked me. He's like, that's not the point. Is it true? And she says, well, you know, I think I'm in love with him. And he's like, great. I hope you guys have a good life. Because by this point, you know, he's done with her. She's insulted Belle twice. He's super into Belle. This chick is not crazy, but he's just done with it, right? Like, even though he made that promise to her mother, she's just not worth it. It's basically <laughs> the drop, the, the uh, what you can get from that. She says, oh, like, don't worry. Like, don't be like that. If it doesn't work out between us, then you know I'll come back. And he's like, what kind of, why would you think that that's how this works? No. So he leaves her and that's it, you know, wipes his hands clean. And then later on in the novel, Josephine is kind of spreading these rumors, you know, saying, oh, like, they think she's breeding, like, they think she's pregnant. And Belle's like, okay, this is soup, like, gossip is one thing but you're trying to ruin a girl's reputation like she may be fast but she's not stupid like she's probably not pregnant so then one day while they're all kind of sitting around the table eating they asked josephine like hey like don't you have to study for your test and she's like oh like i'm only studying the titles we don't actually do that much work and now her parents are like what are you talking about we're paying this guy. What do you mean you don't do work? And she says, Well, he gives us an assignment when we get there. We don't see him again till lunch. Then he's gone again and we don't see him again until the end of the day. And they're like, Well, what is he doing? Like, you know, what does he come back, you know, saying? She's like, Oh, like he comes back smelling like Francine. And next thing we know, he gets fired and Francine shows up again. By this time, Belle and Daniel have decided, like, oh, like we're gonna be together. I'm so happy with you. Francine shows up and she's like, Yeah, it's time we come to our senses. You know, you're coming with me, Daniel, and we're going to be together and it's going to be great. And Daniel's like, no, I've decided that. And she's like, no, like my mother was on when she was on her deathbed. You said you were going to take care of me. And now it's time for you to take care of me. And this is why. And then we see that she is pregnant. Oh, wow. So, yes, as a character, she was amazing. But as far as like an actual love triangle, mm, didn't really do it for me. And then in that second novel, like I said, where George and Joe and Adam were supposed to be in a love triangle, George just kind of moves more and more into that area of, yeah, she's going to defer to me. Yeah. Your mother acts like this, but your father needs to put his foot down. Yeah. You may have a business, but as soon as we have kids, I expect you to quit that. Right. And it just, he, he kind of more solidifies himself in that. And in her mind, she's thinking she can kind of change his mind. But as things go on, she's like, no, he's not the man for me. And the second half of the book is just her figuring out how she's going to tell him that and also trying to stay away from Adam because she knows that he's still plucking flowers. And the resolution comes along with, okay, you need to prove to her that even though you said that you wanted to pick flowers, even though you said you wanted to pick flowers, you actually don't want to anymore and that you're ready to have this kind of full relationship with her. And so the two love triangles are both, I mean, it's, I don't know. To, to me, in order to make a solid love triangle, you need to be able to actually believe that this person could go either way. Um, but she does do a great job with showing rather than telling, right? We don't know Belle's last name because why would you, right? She introduces herself as Belle. We go about her name being Belle. And the only time we actually know her last name is when she has to spell it, right? She learns how to spell her name and she writes out Belle Palmer, And I I really like that. We don't know Cecilia's name, Mrs. Best, until one of her friends calls her Cecilia, right? Because why would you need to know that, right? This is Mrs. Best or this is my mother, Mrs. Best. There, There was no need to kind of give that name without it coming naturally I really don't like it in novels where they like hey bro or hey cuz and like I, who normally greets people like that no one you call them by what you call them by and then maybe in their thoughts they may refer to themselves or maybe if like you know it's a government situation you need to put their government name on something or refer to them as that I don't know it just it always feels like kind of a a cheap shot like I said in that first book Franny was one of my favorite characters even though she wasn't a strong leg to a, a love triangle the second book didn't really have a strong character. I think that the moments in between Josephine and Adam were really good. They had like this huge blowout argument um, at the end of the book. And it's basically like, you're not going to marry anybody if it's not me and her saying, well, you know, that's very presumptuous of you and them just basically having an argument, even though they both kind of really want each other It's an argument over whether or not she's going to end up marrying to him or whether or not she's going to end up with George. So that was good. Um, but there's there's a lot of history in that first novel it feels like she's trying to cram everything she can about the underground railroad in it so for that reason i think there could have been more books and not to focus on these relationships across those books but there are certain characters right there's one guy who gets mailed to them in a box and it turns out his wife sent him because her mother is deathly ill and they couldn't have run away together and she knew that he wasn't going to he was going to stay with her and i feel like that could have been a novel by itself we find out that bell's dad does make it up there but he's still looking for his wife and we never find her but that could have been a novel by itself and it's just more so that she can spread out some of those history drops because you kind of get not not bogged down by them, but there are a lot of them. And I think that if there was a different connection with each novel and each part of the Underground Railroad, right? So we talk about people getting delivered in a the box. They talk about the different items they put out on their porch or hang out to know that it's safe and people making fake papers and them stealing people who are already free. Like just those different pieces, I think that if they separated it out and put them into different books, it could have been, it could have had more of an impact rather than just kind of feeding it to me, right? Talking about Frederick Douglass's mistress, that could have been a different, it could have been in a different novel, uh, as well as Belle's kind of, she, she's a seamstress. And so that worked well in that novel, but I think that kind of drawing on the different pieces, it, it wasn't confusing. It was just kind of like, oh, okay, and like, here's another history fact, right? And here's another history fact. And it didn't pull away from the plot, but I definitely think we could have had more Pieces of the plot in it. But as a series, they definitely work really well together. And even though they're five years apart, um, as far as what happens in the books, it flows really well one into the other. So that went really well. And like I said, they work super well as standalone novels because the second book does, you know, like a paragraph recap and you don't feel like you're missing anything without it. But it's definitely more useful to have that background knowledge, right? When they call her Pest or when they say Adam, like he likes to make people's heads turn, you know all of this because you've experienced them in the first book. And you know how hard it may be for him to get past Daniel and Mr. Best because you don't actually experience them in the second book, but you know them pretty well from the first book. You experience them when they come home and they kind of give them town and country and ask him different questions about like, well, why are you picking our, our sister slash daughter? But you don't have that overall impact of knowing them as people. Right. And having an understanding of Adam as he hits on Belle and how he just kind of, you know, flounces about and then him getting taken and sold into slavery for about three weeks. And it just it it gives you a lot of context to their character. So though you can read them as standalones, you get a lot more background and a lot more feedback from it if you don't. So, yeah, overall, I I think they, they work well as a series. They work well apart. And I just, I wish they were connected. That's that's pretty much one of the only drawbacks, that and all the history. After reading them both and doing a review of both, my opinion is yes, the entire series is worth a look at. It has an overall good arc and there's some solid themes there. And both books kind of add something to the other. So as far as trying to get the whole series, whether or not one is better than the other, I mean, in typical form, I like the first book better than I like the second one. But that doesn't mean the second one doesn't deserve a read. I think both will add to anybody's bookshelf. And they have those solid history pieces. And there are even questions in the back of the novel that help reference you back to the Civil War, to slavery, and even just ask those dying questions of... How do you know where, you know, where someone came from? How do we know how long they've been walking, right? Do you think it is as difficult today as it was back then? So it just, it asks really good peace questions. So I think they're worth a look at. Join me in two weeks when we go over the Young Brothers by Kathy Love.